1: We hear a lot about lifestyles today, alternative lifestyles. We've got one for you. We'll take a look at it next. It's all about alternative lifestyles, right? Well, we've got an alternative lifestyle for you. We'll examine here today on Times of Refreshing with Pastor Napoleon Kaufman from The Well, a Christian community here in Livermore, California. We find ourselves in Romans chapter 12, looking at verses 9 through 21. You want an alternative lifestyle? We've got one for you, a successful one at that. It's called the Christian lifestyle, and yes, indeed, it is alternative compared to To most alternative lifestyles you see out there today. Join us, won't you, as we understand the Christian lifestyle. Here's Pastor Napoleon Kaufman now with today's program.
2: One of the things that God has really been challenging me on and and wants me to reiterate with the church is that that Christianity is not just a belief system. It is a belief system that ultimately results in a current, a certain kind of lifestyle. It is a belief system that results in a certain kind of lifestyle. He said, I came to give you life and that more abundantly. It is about life being infused within your being. It is about now you taking upon the life of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the same way in which you reflected the old Adam, now you are reflecting the new Adam. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about, and this is the title of my message, exploring the Christian lifestyle. What does this kind of look like? And and this passage of scripture doesn't give us all the details, but it helps us to get a feel for what God's trying to forge in you, for what God is trying to forge in you. And remember, it's not just something that we can make happen. It's something that God, that we allow God to, to make happen through us as we learn the art of yielding to him and his abiding presence. Christ empowers you to do everything that he's asking you to do and everything that he's commanding or demanding through the scriptures for us to do. Christianity becomes an outflow of God's internal and indwelling presence pulsating through your veins, in your thoughts, in your heart, and in your mind. It's not just I go to church, it's I, I attend church because God is asking me to attend church and I'm going to church to further my relationship with Christ and to get to know him more and understand not only him through what he's saying through me personally but you can learn a lot about Christ by what he's doing through other people and sometimes we don't realize that. But we can. We learn a lot about Christ through, uh, we've learned a lot about Christ by what he did in Apostle Paul's life. By what he did in Apostle Peter's life. By what he did in John's life and Matthew's life and all these individuals life. We're learning about God through how he's, how he operates not just in our lives personally, but how he, he operates in other people's lives. And this is the power of being a part of the body of Christ or in even being a part of a local church. Apostle Paul in the speaking to the church at Rome. He tells them in the beginning of this chapter, chapter that they're not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of their mind. That they ultimately would begin to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He goes down and he, and he starts to talk to them about body life, church body life, that not everybody has the same kind of gifts, and we're to use those gifts. And we're to think of ourselves soberly and humbly. And to, and, to, and, and to give honor to others other than ourselves. And to do these type of things. And function. He talks about function in this chapter. And then he gets down to v- verse 9. And this is where I want to start. He says here, he says, let love be without hypocrisy. He says, abhor what is evil. He says, cling to what is good. A couple of things I want to draw from, these, from this one verse. He says, let love be without hypocrisy. And I love this because a hypocrite or somebody that's being hypocritical is someone that, and I like this word in the Greek, it literally means to play act. It means to act. It means I have the outward expression without the inward reality. That I look good on the outside, but inside my motivations aren't pure. My desires aren't pure. The reason behind why I'm demonstrating what I'm demonstrating is not right in the sight of God. You may not see it, but God sees it. And so when Jesus saw the Pharisees and the Sadducees and they looked good externally, he said that they were whitewashed tombs. Why? Because externally they looked good, but internally they, they didn't. And I think for all of us, we've got to allow God to work this thing on the inside of us. We've got to allow Christianity become our lifestyle so that even when it comes to our displays of love, it's without hypocrisy. Have you ever seen someone do something good for you and they did it seemingly out of love, but you knew that they were doing it because they knew what they were going to get on the other side of you doing what they what you they wanted you to do? I'm going to give you this, but I know if I give you this, you're going to give me that. And that's why I'm going to give you this. And this is what happens. It's, it's love, but it's, it's cloaked in this, this ulterior motivation. And I think for all of us, we have to allow God as Christians to forge true, authentic, biblical love within our hearts. So that we're not looking for anything in return. Jesus loves us. He loves us before we even think about loving him. He cares for us before we, he, we even think about caring for him. And I think for all of us, we have to pause, we have to stop, and we have to ask ourselves the question, what kind of love do I really have? He says, let love be without hypocrisy. He says, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. This word abhor is a very strong word. It means to hate it, to hate evil. And this is one of the things that's happening within the culture. The devil is trying to desensitize the Christian church, to desensitize people so that we begin to call evil good and good evil. And we clothe it behind love and, and acceptance, and, and we've got to and not realizing that there are certain things that we need to hate. Can I have an amen? He says, when it comes to evil, evil lifestyle things that are evil on the side of god we have to be people that hate it that we hate evil and unfortunately what's happening in the body of christ now we just think that you know well it just we just got to be inclusive and you hear these cold words and they're words that the devil is using to try to bring confusion to all of us. But I love Apostle Paul. If we're going to grow and we allow Christ to really form what he's forming in our heart, we have to be people that abhor what is evil and we cling to what is what? Good. We cling to what is good. We hold on to it. The good things we hold, we hold on to them things or to those things. Sorry about that. I, I, I was talking like I was talking in the office the other day. What's up, y'all? What's up? Verse 10, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. And I think this is another thing that we have to get in our minds as Christians as we're maturing and we understand Christian conduct. That the person that, you, that you're sitting next to, if they're born again, they love God, they have the Holy Spirit in their life. Whether you realize it or not, that is your brother or sister in Christ. And there's a kindly affection. That, that we have to have amongst each other. We have to begin to develop within our hearts. Where You know, this is my brother. If my brother is suffering, then I'm suffering. If they're going through, then I'm going through. That I begin to develop a heart and condition that identifies with, with not just people in my family, but with the body of Christ. That there's suffering going on in various countries. That, man, that we feel that pain. And I think that this has to be developed. Be kindly, affectionate to one another with brotherly love. We'll, we'll never develop that if we're gossiping. If we're competing with each other. If we're trying to figure out, well, how can I get my and me and I? And, and you guys know I, I'm a high school football coach. And one of the biggest challenges as a coach is getting all the kids to think about the team And to stop thinking about I. It's one of the biggest challenges for any coach is to get kids to buy into the team concept. And it's the same thing when it comes to church. To get people to buy into we are in this together to do something great for the glory of God. Can I have an amen? But what happens is a lot of people, the only thing they're thinking about is when can I sing my song? When they're going to let me preach? Why they put me in the parking lot to usher. Why am I in the baby class? I want to be in the big class. It's me, 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 me. And what happens is that ultimately ends up in failure. And for us as the body of Christ, we have to learn to be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. And then it says this, look at this. It says in honor, giving preference to one another that we learn to use this word honor that there's honor in the house of God there's a general honor amongst each other that that spills over into our homes and it spills over into our jobs and it spills over into every area of our life this is christian conduct we learn to honor people when my pastor walks in this church and some of you guys know i i love my pastor i love my pastor I don't care, man, what anybody said. I love my pastor. That man of God laid hands on me, prayed for me, released me into ministry. His When I call, I mean, it's just amazing. He doesn't call me all the time. We're not homeboys and we don't kick it. But, man, I just know when you got a divine connection and when he comes to this church, I, I you guys see how I treat him. Because... Man, I could never repay him for the words in which he spoke into my life and the way in which he preached the gospel. to helped me and my family. And it's the same thing with people in our church. We got to learn to honor each other, to thank God. I mean, I look at I, it's, it's even the people that come here on Mondays and clean the church and to do this. Man, I honor. Man, I, I, there's nothing we can do to repay people. are Just thank God for people. And I think what happens is he's trying to teach us the value of honor. Doesn't mean that we won't have family squabbles. Like y'all do with your brothers and sisters now. But what happens, what happens is you learn to, to hug each other, forgive each other, and move on and keep on working with God. And learn to honor each other. And I love Apostle Paul because here is a man who, and for all intents and purposes, he was very highly esteemed he was used to people honoring him but i'm not so sure through reading the scripture how much he was willing to honor people but he learned this in christ that for all of us we are to give honor it says in honor giving preference to one another and i think this is important for us no you go first we should be arguing over who goes first Not trying to hold people back from trying to go first. Can I have an amen? No, you go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. No, you pay. I'm not paying. You pay. No, let me get that. No, you get that. No, my turn. Your turn. My turn. We're fighting over who's going to pray for the meal. Amen? Not thinking, your mind. well, I hope he gets this one. (laughs) In honor, giving preference to one another. Look at this in verse 11. This is really a good one. It says here, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit. He says, serving the Lord. The word lagging there is also translated in the Greek. It means basically to be lazy. King James says slothful in business. And so what happens for us, we have to be very, very diligent that for the Christian life is not a lazy life. When you have the power of the Holy Ghost in your life, he doesn't sleep nor does he slumber. He's as soon as you wake up, he's able to get you moving. And I'm not against you coffee drinkers. But if you depended on coffee more than you depended on the Holy Ghost, you got to call a timeout. I can't get my, my day started unless I get my latte mocha with a twist of that, twist of this and twist of that, twist of that. Saints. And I'm not, hey, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But what I'm saying is for us as saints, the Holy Spirit empowers us. So we're not lazy people. We are diligent people. Can I have an amen? That we are diligent people. He says not lagging. He says in diligence. And I like this. He says fervent in spirit. The word fervent there, it literally means to bubble up or to bubble forth. It means to boil water and the sound that you get when water begins to boil. When you know it's ready. Well, that's what happens in our spirit when the Holy Spirit gets down on the inside of us. Amen. There's a bubbling forth. There's an energy. There's the power that begins to hit us. And when it comes to our spiritual life, God begins to awaken something within us so that we have life. It doesn't mean that you won't get tired. It doesn't mean that there's moments when you want to just tell everybody to get out your house and you want to be quiet. I understand that. But there's something about our spirit being awakened and revived that to cause us to keep going when other people want to fall and want to quit because we're fervent in spirit our spirit is bubbling over with god's goodness and his influence on the inside he says serving the lord look at verse 12 he says rejoicing in hope patient in tribulation continuing steadfast in prayer these are lifestyle characteristics and qualities of a christian he's trying to communicate this to them he says rejoicing in hope he says patient in tribulation i think this is important the word patient here in a greek it means to remain under it means to to endure and i like this because a person who's patient in the midst of tribulation is settled within their in their spirit there's a settling we should never be people who panic because god's with us come on look at your neighbor and tell them don't panic Come on, look at somebody else. Tell them, don't panic. There's a rest that we have, an internal rest that comes of a result of us knowing the God of promise. The God who can never fail. The God who has never failed. The God who has kept us, will continue to keep us, and will bring us into his intended purposes for our lives. If we're willing to to rest and have faith in him. But what happens is we're not patient in tribulation. I like what he said. He said, patient in tribulation. That doesn't mean just that you're waiting, but you're waiting with the right attitude. Because some of us are waiting, but we got the wrong attitude. Can I have an amen? Man, the Lord done brought me out here. I'm here, Lord. I'm not going no way. You know I'm going to get my tithes, and I'm going to be faithful, and I'm going to come to church but i just can't i don't know how long i can deal with this lord i'm tired when you when you going to come through lord my goodness i know i'm faithful i'm saved i'm filled with the holy ghost everything i pray in tongues three times a day i done tried everything lord where you oh, oh lord and and we and we not just just chill God's got you. He didn't save you to leave you to die in the wilderness. If you stay in faith, he'll bring you into your promise. Can I have an amen in this place? This is the God that we serve. But what happens is we're we're, we're not patient in tribulation. We don't remain under, bear under, and we allow ourselves to endure resting in God's truths and not panicking. God's got it. I'm not saying that this is easy. But I am saying that through the influence of Christ in our lives, this becomes our character. It becomes our lifestyle. We start to live this kind of way. Can I have an amen? He says here, not lagging. He says um, in verse 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Look at verse 13. He says, distributing to the needs of the saints. He says, given to hospitality. There are times and moments in all of our lives Where we may fall on hard times or our back is against a wall. One of the things that happen, and this is one of the reasons why we teach on tithing here at the church. And we do the things that we do. Because one of the things, and I don't want to get too in depth in it. But a lot of people want to make a withdrawal. But they never want to make a deposit. A lot of people want God to bless them. A lot of people want God to give them a return, but they've never made that investment. And I think it's the same thing for the church. When a person comes to this church and say, says, I am a tithe-paying faithful, tithe, faithful member of this church, and I'm doing X, Y, Z, da-da-da-da-da, I've fallen on a hard time, I need some help. The church is obligated to do what the church can do to try to be a blessing in a supply in a person's need. But if a person comes to a church and they don't do, not do they sitting there and I don't believe in none of that. I don't do that. I don't need that. Then hard times come. Well, have you been faithful to God? Uh, what I'm saying to you all is this. You have to understand God's system and his Process. And for us, we want to be faithful to God. And part of the, and this is the reason why Apostle Paul is saying this distributing to the needs of the who? Saints. There are times when the saints have need. Our job is to respond to the needs of the saints as we have the ability to do so. But if a person isn't acting like a saint, I don't want to go too far into this. Well, I'm just saying I, I want to say this because. And, and some of you know we 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 bless all the people, a lot of people in this church. It's a blessing. We have a saints relief fund here at the church because we want to be able to try to be a blessing to people when they have needs. But we have to stop and ask myself: Am I being faithful? Am I doing my part? Am I am I helping? Because sometimes our blessings are being withhold, withheld because we're not being faithful. Just chew on that a little bit. Amen. We have to ask ourselves. I want God. When he's thinking about blessing somebody. I want him to look at me. And say man that guy right there. He'll be faithful. Bless him. I don't want God just to bless me in spite of me. I want him to bless me and smile about it. Can I have an amen. This is how you want. You want God to look and say, man, that person has been faithful. Whatever they knew, they have stored up righteousness by their faithfulness. And our job as a church is to participate with God and help him to be a blessing to people who have, who have partnered with him to advance his kingdom. Can I have an amen? He says, distributing to the needs of the saints, given the hospitality. He says, bless those who persecute you. He says, and bless and do not curse And I think this is a big part of the Christian life. It is so easy to want to get back at those who have done wrong to you. And one of the things that I've realized in my personal life is that evil cannot cast out evil. Only good can cast out evil. And when we're being persecuted, our job is to respond with the opposite spirit. Don't don't begin to u- utilize and and get, allow the, the the same spirit that's coming at you to get on you operate in a different kind of spirit and this is what pushes out darkness can I have an amen this is what we got to learn to do but this is Christian character this is a Christian lifestyle and there may be times when God says hey now stand up for yourself in this moment there are gonna be moments where the Lord may prompt you to do some things. And we see Apostle Paul, he did this. He sometimes he called, he called down blindness on one person. I mean, he I mean, so we know that there are moments, but but most of the time God's gonna tell you and I just to be quiet. Hold your peace. Let me fight your battle. I got you. There's gonna be times we say, put your foot in the ground handle this situation i want you to say something in this moment but at the end of the day we want to be led by the spirit of god he says bless those who persecute you bless and do not curse and sometimes what we do is we don't we don't curse directly we curse indirectly and we have to be watchful of this As people are going forth and and then say where something happens and somebody's persecuting us and then something bad happens to that person that's persecuting you. You'll know a lot about yourself by how you feel about their downfall.
1: With our teacher and pastor, Napoleon Kaufman, from The Well, a Christian community here in Livermore, California, you're listening to Times of Refreshing. We trust and pray today's program has encouraged you in grace. If you have questions, comments, prayer requests, maybe you'd like to review today's message again on CD, please contact us toll-free at 800-374-9204. That's 800-374-9204. If you're writing to us, you can reach us at times of refreshing, 2333 Nissan Drive. That's here in Livermore, California. The zip code is 94551. As you remember times of refreshing and this ministry, would you please remember that we are listener supported? Simply put, that means we rely on you, our listening family, to continue to help support this broadcast, not just prayerfully, but financially as well. So, would you prayerfully consider how you might get involved with the ministry as we continue? to minister the gospel of Christ here on this, your station, we would greatly appreciate it. Reach us again at 800-374-9204 or write to us at Times of Refreshing, 2333 Neeson Drive, Livermore, California. The zip code is 94551. You can also find more information online at thewellchurch.net. That's thewellchurch.net. And then come back and join us next time For another broadcast of Times of Refreshing with Pastor Napoleon Kaufman.